EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. Well, it's that time of the week to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Subalero. And waiting in the wings for his grand entrance, my friend, my buddy, the one we call KG, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, what's going on? I'm good, man. Um, summer's, summer's starting to wind to a close. The fall's about to get kicked off, and I've got, I've got irons in the fire that are, that are heating up right now. August is going to be a busy month for me. So what is it that you got going on? I noticed you got another EMT course coming up down there. Yeah, I've got an EMT course coming up and refreshers and, and that sort of thing. And I've got a, uh, I've got a conference in Iowa in uh, uh, late August. And, and then the, the, the conferences get kicked off again in September. And, and hunting season and my shooting weekend and everything else uh, going on with it. I'm, I'm kind of champing at the bit, man. So are you, um, I see you got a new dog. No, I do not have a new dog. We have a temporary animal in our home uh, that if someone would like a cute, adorable little white, black and white spotted puppy, uh, they're, they're welcome to give him a good home. Uh, this is a temporary thing. <laughs> I am, I'm drawing the line at the number of animals in my house right now. So have you ever uh, won an argument like that with Nancy? No, no, not really. <laughs> so basically, you got a new dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope not. I really hope not. Did you name the dog? Uh, no, the dog does not have a name yet. All right. So what do you? How do um, you? I mean, you're a guy who trains dogs, man. Yeah, but you know this this little guy. You know, I can't I can't falter. Nancy's got a got a, a heart a mile wide and she just can't see a abandoned animal on the side of the road and not stop uh even if you know we've got six animals in the house and we can't spend a few hundred dollars on vet bills to to uh heal astray um she just she's not wired that way i see uh, the other day we had to stop on the side of the road and search through the, the woods for kittens that she'd seen on the side of the road oh yeah so Thankfully, we did not find them, Yeah, <laughs> but it didn't stop her from looking. That back 40 is going to be your, your own petting zoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, if I get her the goats and donkeys she wants, it, it's going to be green acres around here. What do you do with the goats? Except, eat, eat the goats? I'm, I'm, uh, uh, she's Oliver. And I'm the, uh, I'm Zsa Gabor or whatever. Oh, Yeah. What do we do? Eat the goats? No, she wouldn't eat a goat. She just likes playful, playful little goats uh, running around the yard, frolicking. Uh-huh. That's what, that's do goats do goats frolic? 
Oh yeah, man. Uh, There's a whole genre of, of YouTube videos of, of baby goats jumping around uh, <laughs> and, and enjoying themselves. It's 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 cute, man. You get cute overload when you watch the baby goats in their little pajamas uh, yeah, bouncing I around. I don't, I don't find I don't. I'm from the city, man. I don't know anything about goats. It's funny. I'll tell you a funny story. So. I was living in uh, Arlington, Texas. Uh, it was really kind of my first uh, f- couple years of being in Texas, and I decided to live with one of my uh, my partner who I was working with on the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And we had a cool little place, and you know, so it's almost a little rural city kind of area. And when I went home one day, I said, "Man, do you see that guy down the street with those funny looking dogs?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "On the street, the corner, blah blah blah." He's like you know those dogs they're real funny looking he's like uh dude those are goats <laughs> oh man oh, okay yeah they no wonder they look funny <laughs> those are really funny looking dogs uh they That's don't a, bark there's some funny looking dogs down there man sit and roll over and he just didn't do it he just kept hitting me with his head <laughs> so it seems like we've been babbling uh for a little bit kelly but we yeah. do have but we do have topics that we want to talk about today and, you know, one specifically that kind of caught my eye, you know, as we kind of look through the news that's going on in our career field, you know, it's important that we stay up on, you know, the things that are happening clinically, mm-hmm. the things that are happening operationally, the things that are happening newsworthy. And I ran across a story that comes out of Arizona. And, you know, certainly we're not going to talk specifically about the agency, but the first responder was named in a wrongful death lawsuit. And as I read this story, the EMS agency, along with the paramedics that were on the scene, are actually named as defendants in this lawsuit. And it kind of raised my eyebrow, Kelly, because this isn't the first time in this past year that we have started to see individual paramedics be named as defendants in these uh, lawsuits. And, of course, we can remember the one in uh, the Northeast where an EMT was uh, around the corner from a pediatric cardiac arrest, and they refused to uh, yeah. make the scene and resulted in the child's death. And, of course, that came to uh, some uh, a lawsuit as well as criminal charges. So I guess the question that I want to bring up today and the discussion that I want to have for you is – are we in a different environment than we were in 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, to where we now have to take our due diligence and maybe get away from that um, apathy that we're having as as uh, employees of organization? I like that word better, complacency. Yeah. And um, now try to uh, realize that we could be on the forefront of being charged or being sued. I, I don't know that society is, is getting more litigious. Uh, I, I have a sense that it is, but I, I really don't have any hard data to back that up. What I do believe is that our, our um, perception uh, by society as, as these benign saviors and caregivers uh, has started to erode. Uh, just as it has with with uh, other members of, of public health and public safety, you know, it, it used to be uh, an unheard of thing where you'd see some 
citizen berating firefighters at the grocery store for taking the fire truck out to go shopping for, for groceries. I think about that every time I see a fire truck at yeah. the supermarket. That's just crazy. Well, yeah. You know, I, I don't think about that because, you know, people got to eat. Um, but, uh, you know, now you see these videos of, of some self-styled community activist and, and concerned taxpayer uh, showing his rear end uh, berating these guys, you know, and the police are uh, police have never been popular with the people that they have to police. Uh, you know, criminals don't tend to like police, but now uh, uh, even non-criminals are starting to, to uh, you know, look at police as, as the enemy. And uh, whether, you know, whether current events have, have influenced that and, and changed that perception to whatever degree, I, I really don't know. But it does seem like uh, we're not looked at as the good guys anymore, and, and people are a lot uh, a lot more prone to question our actions and, and sue us if, if they, uh, they feel that uh, legal redress is required. You know, and I want to just address something that you said. I don't know if we're becoming more litigious. I think that we've been litigious. I think oh, that yeah. I think that we look for those things that we're able to uh, hold other people accountable for. But what I think is interesting about this story is that we're starting to see more and more that the individual paramedic is now not as is not as safe as they used to be in these lawsuits. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. we've seen lawsuits against EMS agencies for years and years for negligence or whatever it is. But now individuals are starting to get named. So, you know, Kelly, when we start to think about the EMS provider that are in some of these organizations, you know, I want to give you a scenario here. So you have an organization that maybe isn't doing the work that they need to do for their workforce. They have poor employee engagement. They have poor leadership. You know, the the people are just going through the motions. They're not really there. They're kind of disengaged. And it's reflective in the work that they're doing. Now, I believe that we shouldn't allow the leadership of an organization or the lack thereof to address our professionalism, but we see that much too often that the individuals who are disillusioned with their organization just become complacent, as you said it. They become disillusioned, and it starts to show in their work. You know, they go to these calls. They treat the patients with disrespect. They don't give them the care that they need. They try to talk them out of going to the hospital. They they walk them down the stairs with patients that have chest pain. Mm-hmm. And, and now I think we have to start to think about this from a standpoint of, are we going to be safe now that we're taking these questionable uh, approaches to patient care, and I got to say, I think we got to change the nature of our business. I, uh, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree slightly. I think we do. All of us need to be cognizant of, of how our actions are viewed by people who, who may or may not understand what it is that we do, and 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 you know, they view what we do through a, a prism of their own experiences, um, and. We have to be aware of that and and act accordingly. But I'm not so sure that we need to really adopt anything new to avoid lawsuits. What I think we need to do is make sure that we're doing the things we should have been doing all along. Um, Good friend of mine, Gene Gandy, a common collaborator in in EMS articles and a longtime lawyer, paramedic, and expert witness, says that the, the very best shark repellent made is just being nice, just being nice 
keeps you from getting sued the vast majority of the time. There are, there are thousands of good old country doctors out there who've committed the worst medical malpractice in the world and done it for years, but nobody would think to sue old Doc Brown because he's such a good guy and he's so caring. And, and the reality is, is people don't necessarily sue you when they have a legit medical uh, malpractice case. They sue because they're angry. And if you're nicer, you don't make people angry. So, you know, the, the best remedy against a lawsuit or the, the best repellent uh, of lawsuits is simply practice good clinical care and be nice to people. Uh, and I think that the, the fact that we're not being nice to people or the fact that we, we may be a little, little more uh, terse or, or cursory in our assessments and our interactions with people uh, and, and our customer service skills may lag uh, in some agencies or some individuals within agencies, those people are the ones most likely to, to get a bad reaction from the people we treat, possibly even a lawsuit. Um, you know, do you notice that 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 uh, EMS providers in general seem to have a, a more sour demeanor or or, or uh, are not as nice as they once were? Uh, is that your sense of, of how things are in, in today's generation? You know, I, I think that there are disconnects. And I I think we're starting to see more and more. And again, we go back to the conversation is EMS a career field or is EMS a stepping stone? I think Mm -hmm. we're starting to see more people that are using EMS as a stepping stone. They're biding their time. Is it biding their time or buying their time? Let's let's biding. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) So I just want to, let's do a little grammar. We'll do a little education while we're doing the show as well. (laughs) So they're biding their time. And I think it's because of this, um, square filling that we are starting to see more people that don't have the same approach, uh, especially newer people that don't have the same approach to EMS as people maybe 10 years ago. Now I, but I do think that the, it's not really the individual who's coming out of school. That's having the challenge. I think it's really the environment that's mm-hmm. now pushing them towards that, uh, you know, that lack of, uh, caring, uh, that you just talked about, as long as we are nice to people and as long as we are, you know, do good clinical care, I think it's the frustration. I think it's the lack of engagement. I think it's poor leadership that yeah. now leads people to make decisions that they wouldn't normally make. And one of the things that I try to instill in people is never allow the actions of an organization or your leaders to affect your professionalism because that's what you're going to be judged on. I can't count the number of times that I've gotten a call as an EMS leader from a fire chief or from a uh, nursing school for a reference, and I've had to say that these individuals are not good employees. You know, They don't come to work on time. They have poor attitudes. And now I'm in charge of getting them to the next step with, a, with an evaluation or with a reference that I just can't give. And it's because of the um, lack of uh, you know, engagement of that individual that you know, they're not going to be able to get a good, uh, a good reference. Now, one of the things that we've got to think about here is just because the organization, and, I, and I'm fully on the side of that leaders have to be leaders, leaders have mm-hmm. to be held accountable to employee engagement, leaders have to be... Um, uh, you know, develop themselves professionally as well as their workforce. But in the absence of that, 
we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard, not let the lack of motivation from the organization affect the motivation that you have as a professional. Yeah, and and I agree fully. You know, that's you you've made that point before I could, but I was going to say just that that you know the erosion of our esteem in the public eye and and uh, the the heightened criticism and lawsuits that may stem from that is is really sometimes just uh, the end result of a cascade of things, starting with disillusionment, uh, job and occupational stress, and burnout reflects in our attitudes. Uh, those attitudes are you know are perceived by by the patients and family members. And they're less satisfied uh, and grateful for the care that we provide, and, and more likely to uh, to um, seek redress for it. Um, you know, but even even then, you you be the the best uh, paramedic you can, the most conscientious paramedic you can, be as nice as you can. You can still get sued, uh, um, as Gene puts it. You know, nice guys get sued, bad guys get sued, uh, jerks get sued way more often than anybody else. Uh, no matter how clinically astute they are, uh, the the story that you reference in in Arizona, you know, is just slam full of burning holes. But if you read between the lines, uh, you can see that you know there are, there are things here that uh, that maybe the the paramedic uh, didn't uh, assess his patient. Uh, I'm not saying he did or did not, but it's possible that the paramedic accepted the the police officer's word. Uh, on the patient's condition and and what was wrong with him uh, when a a more thorough assessment may have revealed other findings. You know, the the circumstances of of the case are are really in doubt. This guy was was in a car accident, uh, missing from the scene. The cop sees this butt-naked guy, beat red, disoriented, covered in blood, walk out of the desert. Um, well, you can imagine as a public safety officer or law enforcement officer, how you're going to react to that sort of thing. Uh, this is a potential threat. Um, and even though he's, he doesn't possess a weapon, uh, you know, this is potentially someone who's, who's mentally altered, um, on drugs and the cop doesn't know what's going on. Now, I, I would view that through a different, uh, a different prism, uh, and probably come up with a different conclusion, but I can see how a cop would do that, uh, would, would view that patient as he did. And they make allegations that the cop kicked the, uh, the patient and threw him down on the ground and, and, uh, restrained him and, and refused to give him water and so on and so forth. But where the paramedic gets drug into it as, uh, he arrives on scene after the guy has, uh, after the guy has been restrained and deputies, uh, tell, uh, tell the paramedic that the patient was combative and delusional and asked for him to be sedated. Uh, and it says Barnes called for backup and told other deputies and paramedics that color was combative and delusional and asked paramedics to sedate him despite the fact that he was already restrained. The lawsuit says, well, there you go. That's, that's, um, that's someone not understanding medically what needs to be done because just because you physically restrain someone does not mean they're not a threat to themselves uh, any longer. That's the whole purpose of chemical restraint. If you got a guy who is delusional, combative, beat red, hot to the touch, uh, all of those things kind of point toward uh, or are consistent with uh, excited delirium. Uh, And when you have a patient in excited delirium, sedation 
is the primary treatment, uh, sharing the ABCs and sedating the patient to the eyeballs because the goal to keep them from dying is to stop the fight. Uh, and when you restrain someone or handcuff someone, you haven't stopped the fight. You've just shifted the fight from uh, patient versus paramedics and cops to patient versus restraint. Um, so hopefully this, uh, the paramedics uh, attorney can, can make that point. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of tenuous that the paramedic did anything wrong here. Um, I don't know that if I had a delusional patient who was, was uh, hyperthermic, uh, be it from an environmental source or be it from drugs, I don't know that I wouldn't have sedated him. Uh, I'd certainly have maintained his airway breathing and circulation and tried to cool him off. Uh, but the lawsuit doesn't say whether that was, uh, the allegation doesn't say whether that was done or not. So, you know, you can, you can still provide good care and be drug into a lawsuit as well. Um, don't take anybody's word, uh, for, for what's going on with your patient, assess them yourself. And you'll probably, uh, um, save yourself some heartache and, and legal troubles down the way, uh, if you do that. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Uh, are we more likely to get sued these days? Is the public more critical of EMS, public safety, and public health in general? We'd like to hear your thoughts on the subject. Email us at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ciballero, who I would never sue because he is a nice guy and a clinically badass dude. I'm Kelly Grayson. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you next week.